Test, 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 test. Okay, good. Recording. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to start doing my intro and just cut in with test, 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 test. We should <sighs> actually make that the intro. Welcome to the snapshot. I am KM Best. I'm joined as always by Marvel Snap Phenom Brendan Patrick and of course Marvel Snap Phenom Lambie series, the winner of the Creator Clash UK. So what we're going to be doing on this episode, we're going to be talking to Lambie about the Creator Clash UK, his thought process for the decks that he brought, because I think what he ended up on was the most well-rounded version, well version of the bounce deck that basically exists entirely. I think if you're a listener to this podcast, you should probably already know who Lambie is, but you can find him twitch.tv slash TV, and of course on Twitter as well. So Lambie, how you doing? Yo, okay, I'm your Brendan. What's up? Uh, great to be back on the podcast. Uh, great to come off a huge win uh, in Manchester. Flew a long way. Uh, I paid for my ticket in prize money, so everything is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you were doing you were doing the, the crowdfunding, and then it, you did you didn't need it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I sort of profited. Well, but it's because I won. <laughs> so, so yeah. What was your break even point? If you'd come in second. Uh. Okay, so it's kind of crazy, but my flight ticket costs about a thousand five hundred bucks. So that's oh crazy, right? God. So that's yeah, it's halfway across dude, the world. That's on the cheap end, to be honest. With how yes. I, I don't know how late you booked, but I booked reasonably late, and yeah, nowadays it's just absolutely crazy. Uh, happy that you were able to to win. Did you go X two in Swiss, by the way? Yeah, so I won round one and two, lost three and four, and then won round five. So uh, breaker tiebreakers were good, but it was still a sweat on the the final round. It was a bit scary. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll dive into that a little bit, but a little bit, you know, a little bit of mentality stuff there, sort of almost, go, almost going on the break. You go, you go three two in Swiss, and end up going mm -hmm. undefeated all the way to win the entire tournament. Um, I know you were going into the content creator, uh, the content creator clash of the UK. I know you were probably one of, you know, almost certainly one of the favorite people to win the entire tournament. Uh, both you and Moyen very, very mm -hmm. high up, as well as many other players. But I know Lambie Series was somebody everybody ha had their sort of their eye out for. Um, yeah, I was happy to be able to play you in Swiss and then ultimately see you make that run in top eight. I think you played one of the best matches that's ever been played on stream, by the way, against Den um, in your semifinals. It was an absolutely fantastic match and nail-biter. And it's a it's a perfect example of playing to your outs, I believe. Um, you just navigated the Doc Ock in Den's list specifically, just fantastic. And you, you saw you saw Lambie sort of start the series off at one point and the series off in at a different point in terms of in terms of play style and just how Lambie was able to navigate exactly what Dex's deck, Den's deck was trying to do and able to shut down um, Bounce. Um, I want to start it off, Lambie, though. Let's just talk about your sort of metagaming for the tournament, why you brought the decks you did. For the, for the people listening, Lambie brought, brought Bounce. Um, effectively, for the audio listeners, what that looks like, I'll read off a little bit of list. This is the list that I brought. I think Lambie did not have the Shang-Chi and said had Jeff, but that is Kitty Pride, Bass, Spider-Ham, Iceman, Angela, Hitmonkey, Mysterio, Bishop, Beast, Shang-Chi, Iron Man, Chavez. And then he also brought a lockdown um, high evolutionary deck that had cards like Storm, Spider-Man in it, more of an anti-bounce list. But anyway, I'm going to pass over to you, Lambie. Just talk a little bit about um, what decks you brought and how you landed on them specifically. Okay, so like you mentioned, I brought the bounce deck and uh, the lockdown deck, high evo lockdown deck. The, the, main, the main reason for this lineup is because um, I wanted to play bounce almost 100% because it's the best deck in the game, in my opinion, uh, at this point in time. 
Um, and I wasn't very keen on playing the bounce mirror. I mean, I knew how to win the mirror, but at the same time, it wasn't something I wanted to do because it could be very high rolly on either side. Uh, yeah, they draw be a complete blowout. You don't draw a kitty. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, okay, cool, cool mirror. Yeah. I think outside of kitty, Bast in the opening hand is also crazy important. So I was trying to avoid that as much as possible. So the second deck I brought was... Because I, prep, I, prep, I prepped with Browder and we we were just like concluding that like, all right, uh, we, we want to play Bounce as much as possible. We don't want to play the Mirror as much as possible. So how to do that, we decided to bring a deck that looked so scary to kill Bounce into which is the, the lane lockdown, high evil lane lockdown deck, because that one doesn't give Bounce space to play stuff. Like, I mean, one of Bounce's like, worst nightmare is that like unplayable locations, right? So we created a deck that literally creates unplayable locations. So yeah, uh, it, it was meant to... I wouldn't say that we were never going to play that deck because we wanted to play Bounce, but there were very few people that we were actually going to willingly queue the the, the, the lockdown deck into it's really more of just like a scare tactic and it mm. kind of worked out especially in like my final because uh, D-Money didn't even kill his bounce because he was too afraid to play into my um lockdown deck which we actually never intended to play yeah mm. and if you think about yeah. that matchup I would say D-Money's bounce list is actually favored in the, in the heads up probably and like that like one of the things that I was thinking about because I I won't say I worked with Moyen I was just like we talked a little bit uh, about mm. lists but like your lists were basically exactly what we figured the whole thing would look like right it was just like someone's mm. going to take one bounce deck and then one deck with evo in it and that's that's how we ended up on the the electro thing as i understand it where it's just like if you queued into that would you not just be like oh my god i can't play either of these mm. yeah so i mean what a lot of players did or i think what the most successful players this tournament did is they um they used their second deck, it was a two-deck format, they used their second deck as a proxy deck in order to force their opponent to play favorable matchups into the deck they actually want to play in the tournament, which for a lot of players was bounce. Um, like That's what's so fascinating so like, to me, is because like I feel like if this is like a one-deck tournament, the bounce players aren't as advantaged, but because they can force the unfavorables off, it's actually it's, like... So like, what was the, what was the process for m coming up with that line of thinking when you, when you put your lineup together? Did that just something, is that just something you knew how to do from Hearthstone? How did you arrive at that being the appropriate thing to do? Uh, I think firstly, we had to acknowledge that uh, most people knew what they were doing for the event. So people were going to arrive at very similar conclusions. Uh, what I was very confident of doing was I was very confident at playing the bounce deck. So like, uh, I wanted, okay, so like long story short, I'm quite a meta slave. Like I just love playing the best decks. And I feel like generally, I I'm, I'm more of a play the best decks and win person than play a counter to beat the best deck kind of person. So yeah, I decided to just like go with my usual comfort strat, play the best decks. And like, uh, like I said, uh, if the mirror was something that had like a lot of skill edge, I might not even have brought the lockdown deck. But uh, it's a lot closer than than some might think in terms of the mirror. Like the skill edge is there, but with everyone being good at the tournament, the skill edge is like a bit mitigated. So deck building and deck choices were a huge factor. Mm. Yeah, I remember, you know, speaking to the, the skill level of that tournament, I just remember when Ordinary Harry was walking by, um, I think we were about to queue top eight, and he was just like, he's like, hmm, he's like, the last tournament was a content creator tournament. He's like, this tournament, this is a fucking competitive tournament. <laughs> he's just like looking at everybody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, 
I think that was that was sort of the right choice is to expect people to prep for the event yeah. come to there's also a key conclusion there that um, you sort of hit on but I want to highlight and that's that a lot of people would come to the same conclusion that bounce is the best deck mm-hmm. um, not everybody did you know a lot of pe- some people did show up with Hive Lockjaw as sort of their premier tier one deck and maybe didn't bring bounce or brought I don't not too many brought people brought high Evo sort of mid-range or regular high Evo Lockjaw and also brought bounce they usually had one or the other but a lot of people at this tournament uh, tournament prepped when they were prepping found that bounce was just was just the overall best deck and cam is right if it was if it was a one deck event um it's it's actually completely different if you're if you're looking to prep for a upcoming open deck list one deck tournament you can't even really use a lot of the deck lists that showed up in this room you can use them to get ideas but it's it's really not the whole picture because there was a lot you had to consider first of all we were able to put certain tech cards in, in some decks because we okay you could put the shang chi maybe in your bounce deck and you know that it's more likely to queue into the high evil lock jaws because you know people are going to queue that into your bounce deck but also at the same time we had to deal with one of the hardest deck building decisions i think of this entire tournament which is where to put the chavez um and contrary to maybe twitter's popular belief chavez is actually a really good card it's, it's actually stop a really, really cutting Chavez. I am begging yeah. you. I'm begging you. Stop I'm begging you. <laughs> well, I'm begging you too. You know we what? Were, I, we almost I know... ratioed him. Like both of us almost ratioed him with the same comment. We, yeah, we so almost I, pulled I, it off. I was uh sad. So people that aren't weren't privy to it. I basically I posted I played back D Muddy's list, who ended up getting second in the tournament, his bounce list. Um and I won Infinity Conquest with it, so I posted about it. And I didn't have Chavez in the list, so I ended up getting absolutely lit up on Twitter for a belief, like just basically defending a belief I, I didn't believe. <laughs> I'm a big Chavez truther, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You guys, I, why don't you explain it though for the people that are listening to us and they're like, you know, maybe they're on the fence about Ch- why is Chavez actually good? Because there's a lot of bounce players that will, you know, they're coming up to turn six. Um, maybe they didn't even get waived, right? They're coming up to turn six and they draw Chavez and they're like, I don't actually want to draw this card. This card seems like the six card seems bad. Why is Chavez good? So right. So you want to go? go? Yeah, I'll go, go first. first. Yep. So the thing about Chavez, it's uh generally lets you play an eleven card deck basically because like if your deck relies on like doing things early, right? Uh, and like the actual turn six is not as important. Like I'm not saying it's not important, but like in order to even get to turn six and like win, you need to draw the early game like your Kitty, your Bast. It's the same thing as like some people play Zabu. Uh, play um. Chavez in the Zabu Doom Wave deck, right? Because you want to get the Zabu, it's the same thing. So like, you really, especially for Bounce, it's a lot of moving parts, like a lot of moving parts that have to come together. You really want to be able to see these moving parts as early as possible to dictate your game plan. I feel like there is, okay, the merit to not having Chavez is obviously you can top deck Hit Monkey, you can top deck Hit Monkey, yeah, basically. Mysterio, but like, if you, I, have, I, if you already have Hit Monkey, you can top deck Mysterio, that helps. Yeah, but over a large sample size, I feel like, uh, what Chavez brings to the table is like actually gives you your game plan more consistently and like the the downside of like actually drawing a sometimes not very useful 6-9 on turn 6 is very mitigated by the fact that you actually get the kitty early get the bass get the extremely important beast to bounce the kitty and a few Mm -hmm. other stuff so like that is mainly why Chavez is important I feel like people that don't think it's important because I think they don't have enough sample size on the deck but like if I don't even know what the exact number is, but maybe 20 games, 30 games, heck, maybe even 50 games. But after X amount of games, you will see how important Chavez is for the overall consistency of your deck. I don't even know if you're going to see it. So I, I think, mm-hmm. I think, yo, feel obviously, it, I'm a Chavez 
truther, right? But one of the things that's really stuck out to me is that when you have Iron Man in the deck, you actually just like straight up do not get punished for deploying on five anymore. Like you just, you just don't get punished for doing your hit monkey stuff early because your turn six is then kitty pride plus Iron Man. And like, that's insane. And even if they like wave you over, this is like a big reason why wave is like so bad or not as good or not even going to do anything against the bounce decks. Cause if you have Iron Man and kitty pride as your turn six, there's basically no downside of doing all your hit monkey stuff the turn before. There's no downside to it. And so for that reason, I do think that Chavez is usually like. She's gone from you do your hit monkey stuff and then play the Chavez. Now you're probably not even playing her then because you have like the, the Iron Man instead, the three power yeah, Iron Man. Exactly. So she's she's definitely a less playable version of herself. But I do think that like, yeah, OK, you get a three percent boost. You go oh, oh no, not three percent boost. You go from thirty three percent to thirty six percent to see Kitty Pride in your opening hand. You go from 33% to 36% to see Bast in your opening hand. You go, uh, I, I want to say you go up about 5% to see Beast over the course of the game because you know drawing Beast on six is absolutely useless. So you get a 5% boost in seeing Beast when you can play the card Beast. And because you are no longer punished for this deploy on five strategy, you actually just sort of get to do that now. It's not even like, oh, I needed to have this by turn six. You just get to play it on turn five and it's fine. And I I just sort of generally think that. I mean, what is it? The first thing you said, Lambie, 11 cards OP. Yeah, of course. Yeah, 11 cards OP. That's that's one of the things that I think people progressively learn as they play more card games is that it's always better to play a thinner deck. And that's a fundamental, right? But as you play more and more, you realize, start to realize how powerful it is to even go from something like 12 cards to 11 cards. It's absolutely ridiculous. I'll tell you one thing that Chavez does, um, which kind of lulls people into the trap of maybe cutting Chavez, is it it feels really, really good sometimes to get to turn six and draw that hit monkey or draw that mm-hmm. Shang-Chi, draw that tech piece rather than draw just draw this card that, you know, it, the card is kind of shit. Like rather than just draw your Chavez every single time, you feel like you're drawing it out, but it's a total trap and it's actually just an illusion, right? You can draw the Shang-Chi earlier, you draw the kitties earlier, you draw the Bast earlier. And if you're looking at a deck like Bounce, you, act, you win the game by having the early opening hand of play Bast, you know, get the Angela to three, the, the kitties on three, deploying the kitty, kitties over to five. Like, that's your game plan. And those those hands as well give you infinitely more snap equity than maybe finding the kitty on turn three or turn four or something like that. And that, that's why the deck is so powerful. And like KM said, uh, another big fallacy about Bounce, and I'm sure you guys have heard it a million times in your stream chats, is what about Wave? Wave is an apps. It's an absolute joke. I mean, maybe on ladder, right? So pre-conquest, conquest mode, you know, came out recently. But before that, we had tournaments. Maybe on ladder. Sometimes you get caught with your pants down. But arguably on ladder, you just deploy on five anyway, just to hedge against wave because you don't get punished, like KM said. But wave is not the problem. If you look at the counter decks that showed up to the CCUK tournament, they're, they're a great showcase of what actually beats bounce. And it's lane control. It's lane lockdown. It's locking the bounce. It's stopping the bounce deck from actually being able to play its cards. It's things like turn four, you know, turn three wave into turn four, Sam. It's things like storm, things like Spider-Man. That's what actually beats bounce. It's not wave. Yeah. It's also, I want yeah, to shout I think... out, I want to shout out Freddie Babes here who did something that I think oh, yeah. is pretty cool with his Evo deck, which was just play wave and Odin. Because like, that's the kind of thing where it's like, 
you're gonna get someone with that. That's really so, cute. Like the turn four wave into a bounce player already really good. Wave Odin is like that. That's so unexpected and odd that you're gonna get someone with it. I like that. Yeah, I wanna, I wanna like actually, I had something else to say, but I forgot. But I think this point is more important, which is like uh, because you mentioned Freddy. Uh, I have I had this list that I made of like um potential cues into specific people, like uh. Like, why am, why am I going to play into X, X player whatsoever? So there's like mm -hmm. 17, 18 people, right? There was like only two people that I wanted to queue, um, not bounce into. One of them one of them was Freddy because you mentioned the, the whole wave Odin thing. So like, I left the option to maybe queue High Evo Lockdown versus Freddy because like I was a bit afraid of the whole wave Odin thing in his High Evo deck. Yep. Um, same thing for me. So I I also brought lists under the the exact same philosophy as Lambie, where I brought a bounce list and I brought a proxy deck to force force better matchups into bounce. And there was there was four matchups in which I would actually play my um, play my other list. One was Lambie because Lambie had a effectively suicide matchup if I keep bounce and Lambie keeps counter bounce, yes. I I immediately lose. And the other one was actually D money because D money was playing pink print and not a lot of people were. So pink print is. I guess the the name that we've given that deck you're just using podcast, you're just using yeah it's just the, the the bounce deck before it got fancy yeah Actually, so what I, is ping what is ping print print it's, why is it's it a, called it's a Nicki it's Minaj of KM's album. Twitter it's literally yeah, okay. it's a Nicki Minaj album that's what it's named after it's a Nicki Minaj well, album oh, referencing Jay Z's The Blueprint why is it named is after it? that I don't know I wanted a cool name for it I literally just picked <laughs> one and Brendan has been calling this pink print for like a month yep well. Anyway, the more greedy version of Bounce that plays things like Hood, like Falcon, like Medusa, it's, it's, it's just better in the mirror. Um, and I think that if you queue a deck like Lambie's or even worse, like mine, that had the Shang, has the extra tech, it's basically suicide into that matchup. And into that matchup, I was queuing my Sarah deck. And, you know, if in Lambie's example, would be queuing Hive a Lockdown. And D-Money sees that you would see in my list that I have the Sarah and he can't keep bounce. So we're almost destined to queue Patriot into Sarah in that case. But yeah, I was I was sort of under the same philosophy as Lambie. Um and I would only play my proxy deck against Lambie specifically because of that. And then also against the mirror, which uh, a deck that was much better than the mirror. So Lambie Hold on, ahead, I want to jump down there. Like, Lambie, you, saw, you see Brendan's strategy. One thing he mentioned to me was that when you played into him, he, he queued Sarah into you and you played Bounce. And he, like, 10-0'd you because the matchup's, like, unwinnable. Yep. And then you just, yep. like, you talked after the game. He was, he was like, why'd you do that? And you, you were just like, I didn't know it was a bad matchup. And I think to me, that actually speaks not to you, but to them, right? They bought a, They brought a deck to scare people off but it's not actually scary. You don't actually see it as scary. And I feel like that shows like, like the efficacy of your strategy, which was you not only have the lockdown stuff, you have a wave in there. Everyone knows that beats bounce. Everyone knows it. So I just wanted to highlight that because like Brendan's talking about like a proxy deck and frankly, no offense. I just feel like your version of the proxy deck was more effective at doing that because it was more obvious. Wait, my version or Brendan's yeah, your version? version. Brendan's version, like he just, you just like it, the, it's like a Saradek. You're like, okay, that's not that bad, right? But it is that bad. Yeah. But so effectively, what happened when I was like, I played Brendan round three. Uh, I was looking at the list and I was like, the, I think the reason why I sort of like, I'll, I'll be completely frank here, I did underestimate that list, which is the reason why I was like still gonna queue bounce into it. Because like, firstly, I was very confident queuing bounce into most things. Like, I was gonna even queue bounce into Ramp because I knew how to play the matchup. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that I was gonna be favored, but I knew how to play the matchup. 
I was confident in that matchup. But like Brandon's deck looks so like, let's look, let's use a funny word for it. He it looks so uh fair. It looks so yes, fair. Yes, it looks then terrible. Like, it looks like shit. <laughs> yeah, okay. I didn't want to say terrible, but it looks so fair that I was like, it's so fair. How am I gonna lose? Yeah, Turns like, out like it was Sarah. It's a Sarah. Fairly, You're so favored. It was fairly in difficult for me to win. <laughs> like I, I say this on my stream chat a lot, which is like Brandon didn't like eight zero, like eight cube me or whatever. It was just like I I lost two cubes, two cubes, two cubes, two cubes, and then I gra- just gradually died because like he wasn't really doing anything crazy. It was just that I had to retreat every single time. I didn't have the perfect hand because he had the perfect outs to like almost every scenario. It's just a gradual like chipping away of my life. It wasn't even like a blowout. It was just like I just slowly died. <laughs> That's basically mm-hmm. what happened. I mean, that's what 90-10s yeah. look like, right? He's not supposed to get aggressive. Yeah. He's just going to win every game. If he gets aggressive... Yeah, I didn't realize gets- it was that... I didn't realize it was that polarized with the fact that, like, he had... Okay, maybe because I really very disrespected Shadow King in general. I never <sighs> even played the card in my life before. I, I don't even... I haven't put the card in a single one of my decks. So, like, I don't <laughs> even know that it was that bad. So, that was, that was on me. What, was one on thing me. I wanted to pitch, and I talked about this with uh, Wobolos W, however you want to call him, Brendan, what if we took your your deck and just literally played Invisible Woman Shang Chi in it? We were just like, we're an Invisible Woman Shang Chi Killmonger deck now. We put like Silver like Surfer under Invisible Woman, mm. and we like actually like now, yeah. now we don't actually get like completely shit on by Lock Lockjaw. We can like actually be, beat them, maybe kind of. So my current version does have Invisible Woman, just because uh, just the way the priority works, and you know it's a two three now. Um, but the Shang Chi possibly, I, I just don't have enough sample size on that deck in order to be like, okay, the High Eva Lockjaw, or you know whatever matchup is bad enough that I actually need the Shang Chi. The thing is, is that Shadow King actually has niche uses against High Eva Lockjaw. It's actually pretty decent, right? Shadow King is pretty consistently uh, a three five, and uh, in best case scenario, is like a three seven or three nine. Uh, one thing I want to say though is that we talk about lambie having the better proxy deck i I call it a proxy deck but it's not a hundred percent true right like if someone queued bounce into my counter bounce list because they didn't see that that is like the golden scenario the idea was that that would never happen but i was hedging it up because the the deck the deck is people have pinged me about the deck and they're like would you change this would you change that what do you think i'm like dude Everybody, that deck is shit. It's so bad. Like, you can't cue that deck on ladder. You can't cue you that can't, deck in conflict. It is literally just in the in the scenario in which we're in the format we were playing. The only time that I was playing that deck was when I knew there was favorable matchup or I had literally no choice other to play my deck. And it's it's just built for that. It's built to beat an extremely narrow meta. And that meta is like, I've curated the matchup against my opponent who has also brought two decks. But it, it, it's not actually very playable on ladder. Yeah. which is uh i don't know but but yeah i mean against bounce i do think it is pretty close to legitimately unwinnable i mean the the entire deck is built to just hate bounce out i mean yeah. it's a sarah deck that has wave that that's not good in sarah by the way you don't play yeah. you don't play wave in a sarah it's not great what are you talking about you get a turn four sarah yeah awesome. turn four sarah yeah um oh yeah not too good <laughs> well <laughs> I want to I want to I want to ask you something Lambie because I touched on it but I didn't really get your thoughts. Do you when it comes to bounce? Do you think that the version of bounce that plays Falcon and plays things like the Hood, do you think that is the better version in the mirror cuz I've said it is a lot but I haven't really got anybody else's thoughts if they actually agree that that's the better version in the mirror. Yeah, so the thing is I was going to touch on this eventually if like it was not brought up again but like I don't actually think so because okay of a few reasons firstly uh the money's list specifically doesn't run chavez which i think is already a mistake because he doesn't get to draw the early stuff as consistently as me so what i 
I talk about when it comes to that that let's call it your deck, the pink print deck. Okay, let's call it the pink print deck. But like, no, like no, 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 hold, hold, it's gonna hold, stick. I want to be. I want to be. No, 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 no. First things, D money's list not pink print. I don't run Ant Man. Okay. I don't run Medusa. That's oh not yeah, me. okay, fine. That's fine, not me. Fine, fine, that is not me. Fine. The reason I think that the normal bounce list is favored in the mirror is because of the collector, and because okay. like you have that additional guy who is growing. You get more Spider Hams. Like they're never going to be able to actually play Iron Man. Iron Man is not a real card. It is getting Spider Ham right. Like that is a five zero mm. or a five three. If you could guarantee that you were going to be able to actually play Iron Man. I actually would be like, oh yeah, no, the Iron Man list is favored in the mirror, but like you actually can't. So the thing that the thing that matters to me is deploying early. Of course, you're going to want to run Chavez. Chavez is like a secret mirror breaker because she makes you more likely to draw Kitty. She makes you more likely to draw Bass. And those are the two best things you can draw in the mirror. But like, yeah, I, I, I think not necessarily D Money's list, but like if you were to run like say minus Ant Man minus uh, okay. Medusa, you get the Chavez back in there. You play like a much more normal version of that. I do think that one is favored okay. in the mirror. Yeah. I think let's look at it another way as well because like you mentioned uh, one more card that grows collector and then falcon which makes the collector big like I, I agree that those could scale really tall but but look at it another way I feel like that is just more cards that need you to have a perfect world scenario because like the thing is with those cards that he runs um, firstly you need them like like you need them like at a specific time and falcon also does not cheat energy uh, so the thing is, like Falcon, Collector, they do win the mirror. It's a lot of stats, but it's a perfect world deck. I feel like in situations whereby you don't get the perfect hand, sometimes locations are a bit worse off and stuff like that. I feel like those cards are the cards that bite you back when things don't go perfectly. So that's why I call the money. I mean, I call that that, that Falcon Collector deck the perfect world deck in which if we both draw the good hands, I, I probably will lose with my version. But if... Like, we both don't draw the good hands. Mine has, like, a likely better chance to survive, you know? Because, like, that, that collector deck kind of has, has to draw better than, like, has to draw well. If not, like, there's a lot of, like, moving pieces there. Like, let's say you draw collector late, right? That's one more card that, like, uh, is kind of useless. Um, Yeah, so I think there's an argument to be made when regards to, like, which is better because I feel like that collector falcon deck needs to be like you need to draw those cards in more of a perfect order than the version that I played. Which is mm. why you should D run Chavez in it. Ah! Yes, yes, you still have to run Chavez regardless. <laughs> yes, but it's list, like even uh... with that one, it's like it's like it's more pronounced, right? Like you really need Falcon. You draw Falcon on turn six. You're just like, what am I? doing it's all guys guys i five owed yep. with a with a bounce list without chavez so it it's just that's that's the truth it's gospel now you don't know yeah, five <laughs> game sample size is huge brendan it's so big oh my god uh, what so <laughs> i don't think i talk to my co-host like that he five owed i'll have you know <laughs> yeah i don't know if you if you've heard i've actually five owed an infinity gauntlet um D Money's Yo. list didn't play Spider Ham, which I actually feel like is pretty good in the mirror, and is especially good in the mirror uh, versus your deck, which plays um, Iron Man. By the way, because the, yes, the Spider Ham yes. frequently turns Iron Man into a five zero, which is absolutely unplayable. Often, yes, yes, and even in the mirror, like let's say you're playing against a, a list that doesn't have Iron Man, it is the, the the list of Falcon and Collector. A lot of times when you Spider Ham, you're actually hitting Beast, which is kind of a mirror breaker. It's huge. In of itself. It's, really yeah, huge. it's yeah, it's massive. Um, I want to ask you guys just to kind of rewind a bit, but we never really addressed the fundamental question, which is why is Bounce the best deck? 
numbers. Well, yeah, firstly, KM is right. Um, <laughs> only stats, stats. Like, Marvel Snap is a very simple game. It's more soft than you guys think, which is like big numbers win. Like, you can do all these like cute things like, 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 like negate stuff, counter stuff, like, like, like lock stuff. But at the end of the day, it's all stats. Numbers. It's all stats. Like, it's really like, yeah, you can lock the lanes, but you still need stats to win. You can counter stuff, but you need your own stats to win. Like, Marvel Snap at its core, it's a big numbers win kind of game, right? That's the core, right? More numbers wins a lane. So, I feel like the thing about bounce is that, like, yes, you need a few moving parts to make your big numbers, but, like, the thing is with Chavez, with the fact that you have a very strong early game, like, you you very often get to get those big numbers by turn 6, and it's a 12-card deck, like a 12-card deck 6-turn game. You will see almost all of your entire deck to fit all those like pieces together to make the big numbers. So um, I think one of the big points to note is that like those numbers that you make with Bounce uh, generally scale taller than the other good deck, which is like Lockjaw Evo. You are slightly bigger than them. I won't say you are always bigger, but you are more often than not bigger than them, which is good enough for it to take the top spot in the meta, right? Let's put it this way. Like, remember that time when Shuri was king? Um, Shuri decks just had the biggest numbers and like, it's very simple, right? There's a certain level of inevitability to it. Like, if they have Shuri, they have Red Scout, they have Taskmaster. Even if you know they have it, what can you do sometimes? You just know they have it. There's a certain level of inevitability. So I think Bounce has that sometimes. And plus, the thing about Bounce is that you can allocate these points very creatively. Mm-hmm. It's not like just big numbers, gotta go here, gotta go there. They can go anywhere. Like, I think if you watch some of my matches, like, I played my stats in a lot of different places and they were big in the places I want them to be big. And like, it's not definite. My opponent had to keep guessing. So that's why Bounce is strong. Yeah, so I want to jump off of that and talk about Shuri, right? Because the whole thing I was doing against Shuri, this is like the whole premise, is you flip the Red Skull. That's how you were supposed to play against Shuri because their whole yes. their whole strategy is predicated on this Red Skull is going to win this lane. And one of the things that the flexibility of Bounce does is you don't get that free shot yes. flipping it. I wanted to say you don't know which lane to flip with Bounce yes. like, until it's too late a lot of the time. And even if you guess it, well then I will retreat. <laughs> yeah, like, the, like <laughs> the points that it puts out are too high and too flexible, mm. right? So back yes. in the beta, there were old school Sarah decks. And this is like before a ton of shit got nerfed. So I'm going to run through like some cards that we used to play, right? We used to play two cost Lady Sith, three cost Ghost Rider on America Chavez. So like that was just Whoa. like, it was just like a one cost Lady Sith and a, a, a two cost Ghost Rider. That was our Sarah play, right? Uh, Mysterio was just a literal 2-5. We had a strong guy that was a 2-3 that got plus 6. Anyway, that is the kind of deck that Sarah used to be. Like, this is before Mm -hmm. Sarah had to be a tech control deck. It was just like, we're gonna put out 50 points of power on the final turn of the game, and you do not get to know where that is. You have to figure out where that's going, not me. And that is what Bounce reminds me of now, where it's just like, between Hitmonkey and Kitty Pride, it has been boosted to this level where it's just like, you have to figure out how to beat the most points in the game without knowing where all those points are going. And that is damn near unbeatable. It is really hard to deal with. And so I think a lot of people talk about like, oh, Haivo's so broken. And it's just like, look, I don't really know what to tell you. Like the reason Bounce is good though, we talked about like flipping that that lane against Red Skull. It's because it flips that lane against Lockjaw. Lockjaw is a deck much like the Red Skull deck, the Sherry Red Skull deck. It's like, we're going to win this lane. And if you lose that lane, you're just dead. And Bounce flips that lane really well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
how do you do the math as the opponent against bounce to like the 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 challenge to accurately predict what the exact point slam of bounces can get genuinely pretty tough especially when you start considering you know the the variability of having the mysterio with the hit monkey if you bounce that back a few times right you've you've beasted the hit monkey back so it's maybe at like a one five or something so you know all these other cards were bastard at, at turn one like it, it is literally possible but in the short yeah, amount is. of time that you have to to like actually know the exact quantitative output potential of bounce with a reasonable level of variability that you are plus or minus like it's just it's too much like it's just a lot you kind of have to go a bit off feel and you know play against where you think they're most likely to play the stats where it makes the most sense but the exact numbers it's night and day like like playing against shuri it's like you literally know like you you know yeah. exactly how much how much is you like that taskmaster you know pre-nerf that's a 28 power taskmaster and there's maybe a you know one three zero one five titanium that comes down on top yeah. of it or in a separate lane but in bounce it's it's nothing like that so yeah fundamentally bounces it's the best point slam deck in the game um by by quite a margin the fact that it can play tech cards and still play tech cards and still be the best point slam deck in the game is i think what makes it absolutely ridiculous i want to ask you guys about one card that has you know it's not traditionally associated with bounce but it makes it into a lot of lists and i think it's something that's really brought the deck brought the deck up quite a bit and that's iron man what are your thoughts on iron man in bounce specifically i'm gonna see the right here I was wrong about Iron Man. Lambie was right about Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, I remember KM wasn't really convinced about it at first, but I, I'm glad he is right now. Um, it's, it's the same way for me when I wasn't even convinced that Bounce was good. And then like he was trying to tell me that it was good for like weeks and I wasn't convinced. But, I was trying but, to tell everyone that it was good. No one believed me. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those people guilty of saying that it loses to Wave, but that's because I didn't test Bounce enough. But after testing it for like less than 24 hours, heck, I think in the first few hours I realized like, no, this does not lose to Wave at all. It but loses yeah, to Wave so, if you're bad. Like that's literally it. I know if, that sounds like like sounds like an asshole thing to say, but it yeah. loses to wave if you're bad. And also it loses to wave if you don't know it's there. But in open lists, you always know it's there, right? Or like, yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh wait, sorry, what was the question again? I, I kind of forgot. Iron Man. <laughs> oh, Iron Man. Okay. So um firstly, Iron Man is Number one, very good because Bast and Bast is core in, I feel, bounce, right? Look at I Iron Man compound double stats and like the fact that it's a 5-3 Iron Man after Bast compounds its own stats, which is a lot. Like oftentimes, I literally play a match of bounce hoping to Bast and Iron Man. Like if I look at my hand, I'm like, all right, this Bast is only going to be played after I draw Iron Man, that kind of thing. Like Because it scales so crazily. Like I feel like I would like win super hard if I get to Bast and Iron Man. And like one more thing about Iron Man is that yes, it's five it's five cost is super expensive. But like the thing is like you have to remember that like five plus one, Iron Man plus Kitty, and if you get Kitty early, over time it's like super easy to solo. Well, duo a lane with Iron Man plus Kitty. And like you have like stuff in every other lane, right? You have like monkeys, you have Angelas, you have bishops, you have like sometimes bastard mysterios and all that like you have points everywhere already it's kind of impossible to not have a good iron man lane because your points mm -hmm. are just everywhere so mm -hmm. it's i find it very difficult to ha not have a good iron man lane so i think iron man is just a natural fit yeah i actually frequently play my iron man um you know obviously it's very it's variable on the hand but i'll frequently play it into my bishop lane uh, to be honest yeah. like even on turn five and then point seven point six. yeah assuming assuming no wave right uh, i find that to be sort of a consistent play that i take i want to talk a little bit about you know for people that are picking up bounce and actually i just want to disclaimer here with with bounce i think bounce is 
one of the harder decks to play in Marvel Snap, but not a hard yep. deck to play. Prior yep. to the tournament, the CCUK tournament, I actually never played Bounce. I, don't, I never played uh, it. I think the Falcon version with Falcon and the Hood it's, is really hard to play because yes, that yes. one, there's so much hand ordering and figuring out whether your hand is full and what you're going to hit with Bast and figuring out like, okay, how do I value uh, getting a three power hood versus making my demon three power? And like, that's all this like really intricate stuff that takes forever to think about. The builds that y'all ended up on are uh, very easy to play. Yes, yes, you're right. Um, the pink print version as it's as it's named across the world. Uh, definitely, no, it's, it's actually infinitely harder to play it's at least, so to, at to, least play. to sort of map your turns bounce things back correctly it's like do i play this angel on two or do i play my collector um etc it's it it's actually the much more fun version of the deck i think if you're looking to learn bounce um depends how much of a psychopath you are but maybe start with that list so you can work don't backwards from start it with that no don't <laughs> play the good one it's don't, the fun, don't do that it's the fun one yeah just play the, let's play the good one okay so i like how km best straight up calls play the good one as like the list that, that myself played which is quite interesting because this is very interesting and my, my mm -hmm. take on this is that I am completely not opposed to playing complex decks and learning complex decks but I feel like uh, there is no actual reason to overcomplicate things sometimes. Sometimes the simple things are just better, you know? Like I always joke with Kim about like sometimes just play cards on curve and you just win. Like it's true. Mm -hmm. Like you... I'm the, I'm the <laughs> mid-range paladin guy. Of course yeah. I love playing cards on yeah, curve. Yeah, just play but like, yes. like the thing is you have to always factor in that like complicated is not always better and I'm not saying that the bounce list that I played was like strictly very easy it's easier but for Marvel Snap that I think it's still like a bit higher skill cap than other decks already yeah. so what I think is that like because in a conquest game or oh, sorry in a battle mode game there are a lot of things to consider a lot like uh, cube management like your snapping mm -hmm. your locations you're like realistically do I want to over complicate things and have to think about all these other things that I just mentioned as well if the deck is worth it yes but in this current scenario we found the easier version that is also a little bit better and then we have more brain room to think about the snapping the the, the cube management the location so like pick the easier choice if it's actually better and give yourself a bit more brain room to think about other things you know, even if it's not it's better, real. even if they're the same, if two decks are exactly the same, except one is it's very close, easier yeah. to play, then yeah. you always take the one that's easier to play. Every yeah. time. If it's quite close, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Agreed, um, agreed. Going off my previous point, I like I think from experience, pretty much never playing that deck, picking it up a couple days before, pretty much based off Lambie's tweet. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Lambie was like, this deck is busted. So I was like, okay, I guess I got to take a look. Yeah. Uh, um, it's attainable. Like, it, it's a very attainable deck to pick yes. up and be successful with. It's just like when you compare it to something like a Shuri, yeah, maybe it's not. And, and okay, it's so not it's like exactly 20% like harder than Evo Lockdown. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like they're very easy to play, right? Like, don't get me wrong, but oh. like, this is, yeah. this is like, it, it's so proactive that it like the parts that make it hard to play are mostly just like what is my opponent's plan against me mm. and that's mm -hmm. the only thing that really like trips you up I think. yeah we i think thinking about what your opponent's plan is versus you should be applied to most marvel snap situations and decks because like i know this is going to be a, like <laughs> not a popular take but like maybe because i have a card game background so i say this with a lot more ease but i have not seen a marvel snap deck that is like impossible to learn you know like marvel snap is not that game you know marvel snap is really not that game like i think it's a genius game because the barrier to entry for marvel snap is super low but the 
to be able to master it is actually super hard. So in terms of like mastering decks, I haven't seen one that is like just impossible or like like even if you have no card game background, you pretty much can pick up almost any Marvel Snap deck and like be decent at it. That's what I think. Mm. It's funny you say that because I think the, the biggest skill diff that I see and feel in Marvel Snap is actually in relation to snapping and when yes. you know when to retreat. Timing like, timing is important. When you play against your when you play against your first player that's significantly better at you than that, you will feel the pressure and it, it literally yes. is like drowning in deep water. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like you just it's it's terrifying. Um but I wanna ask you guys because you know, maybe a lot of people listening to this list are interested in balance or they've been playing it and they're gonna pick it up. What are some of the, we talked about it a little bit too? What are some of the the early snappable hands with bounce, like some of the best hands you can draw off turn one? One of the things I think is really, really powerful about bounce is I think it has a great turn one snap equity right there yes. there is some cards you can draw which you can snap i will say that with the caveat that bounce is one of those decks it's it's a little bit weak to location yeah, so like you are snapping are you actually snapping terminal all the time like back really? i dude i like, i have bass, assuming Angela. you don't know their deck list Yes, because I have advantage, right? I, I I know that I'm playing the best deck in the game and I've drawn the best version that hand can draw, even if I'm not guaranteed even if I'm not gonna win that game. If I draw a bad location, we get like space thrown and we get some other shit, it's fine. I snapped when I was when I had advantage over my opponent because I know that there's almost zero percent chance my opponent has a better hand than me because I'm playing bounce and I drew Bast, Kitty, Angela X. So my thought so process is since we're so favored against so many things. In the dark, a lot of what I do is just I'm like, I, I try to replicate what you described your surfer deck did to Lambie. Because that's what Bounce <laughs> is going to do against, like, if any deck is unprepared for Bounce, it's just going to bleed to death, regardless. You don't need to raise the variance, I feel like, when you're playing just the absolute best deck in the game, because you're good, like, the degree to which Bounce is better than every other Point Slam deck is enormous. Like, mm -hmm. the degree to which bounce is better than like a dark hawk deck that is trying to leverage wave to beat it like you are putting probably double the amount of points onto the board than that deck is like you are putting so much more on right and so for that reason i feel like in matchups like that i'm just like i don't, I don't i'm good like i will just i will bleed you to death because my deck is better than yours and the more i introduce variants the more it helps them hmm I think uh, I, I agree with like both of you a little bit here and there. I my, from my personal experience playing bounce. Okay, so I'm generally a very uh, aggressive snapper by nature. I think from the previous episode, you guys would probably know me talking about aggressive snapping. But bounce actually catches me a little bit different. I'm still the same aggressive snapper, but like whether I know my opponent's deck list or not really changes how I snap with bounce mm -hmm. a lot. Like in the in like like the, the previous episode where we talk about Lockjaw, the whole Mindstone snap thing, I think that one is like quite uniform whether I know or don't know your deck list. But like, because the thing about bounce is that it has so many moving parts compared to other Marvel snap decks. So I need to know how my moving parts can tie in versus your deck list before I can like snap. Like, okay, like, like give me a very, let me give you a very simple example. Like um, let's just use the bounce mirror, right? Like, I have Kitty on turn one in the bounce mirror. I might not snap you because I need to see if you have Kitty on turn one first, right? Exactly. It's super important. It's super important because like in that matchup, if we both have Kitty on turn one, then I need to do the next check. Do you have the Iceman for my Angela? Do you have the Iceman for I my Bishop? Or do I have the Bast? Yeah, has right? That kind of thing. So in the mirror, I feel like <clears throat> aggressive snapping is very dangerous if you don't like check 
you need to check. I feel like the mirror is one of the few times that as much as I'm the most aggressive snapper ever, I am not as aggressive because it goes completely shit if you they have exactly the thing that you cannot beat. Like if you, if they bust and their bust is Iron Man Mysterio Monkey, you are fucked, man. Yeah. Like, if, you don't have, is, if you don't have the monkey, really, it's, uh, yes, it's very hard to like, win. Like that, that is year. exactly like, that is exactly yeah, what Kitty's I was trying good, to get at. Like, Kitty's good. You but. you have to know, like bounce more than any other deck. You need to know what they're doing to you. And until you know All what right. they're doing to you, because your your baseline is so strong, until you know what they're doing to you, you do not want to give them eight cubes for doing it to you. Mm. Yeah, I think TLDR, sorry, just want to add. Um, so basically, uh, to to add on to that like final point, which is um, if it's an open decklist tournament, I am way more aggressive with bounce. Uh, yes. but if it's not like conquest, right? Because like there's so many things that can go wrong, like conquest in in the game. Uh, I am like a lot more passive with bounds in conquest. Not because of the stakes, that doesn't matter to me, but like it's more because of the fact that like a lot of things can go south with a deck that's so technical like bounds if you don't know what they can do to you, like KM said. Yes, like yeah. that, like this well, is why I was so surprised when you started talking about snapping on turn one. I would never play like that in a conquest. I just wouldn't do it. So, well, yeah, I think there's, so I don't, I wouldn't play like that in a conquest uh, round one. But one thing I'll say is that you, you're not playing for eight cubes, you're playing for four, right? You're playing for them on the snapback and then you retreat because you, you know how the game will end if you're, if you're able to sort of accurately predict what your opponent's deck can reasonably do. Um, you're usually playing for four if you're snapping early um, and you're, and you're losing. But also, yeah, I feel comfortable snapping turn one, not because I, I... It's not really I'm snapping to win, I'm snapping because I'm advantaged, I think. I think it is more likely, rather than not, that I'm advantaged in the scenario where I draw those cards and I have the best, and that's why I snap. And, you know, I won't win all those games, I will lose cubes, I will get punished for snapping like that sometimes, but I think on the Delta, it happens more often than not that I've snapped the correct hand and I've snapped in a, in a scenario where I'm advantageous. So, yeah, I think that that's, that's sort of the, the ideology behind it. I do want to talk about what those hands are what are those hands what are those hands for for bass because we've talked about it a lot a bit through here right we talked about the bass right the bass is actually better than the kitty on one because kitty yes. on one is uh it turns into a one two bass quickly turns out into a one three well and you, you also end up get wanting the, to save the, the bass though right like okay yeah so it it depends right like if i have bass and kitty in hand i'm still always playing the kitty first because bass like in this deck, based on like the, the curve and what is actually good to bust in the deck, the more cards you draw, the better the bust gets. So like, if I have both bust and kitty in my opening hand, right, I would just be like, all right, let's just play this kitty, mm. get plus two, play this kitty, get plus two. Like, I, I wouldn't worry about it being like plus three to plus, to plus five, that kind of thing. Because like, holding the bust lets you like, see more things, you know, like, like I yeah. think the only time I really bust first is very specifically if it's like Angela Bishop, that kind of crazy curve. You know, when you have all the targets, Mysterio, Iron Man, right? Like, oh, yeah, Mysterio is so like, busted. I spent a while doing Bast first because I was just like, oh, that's what you do. And then what I gradually realized is like, wait, why am I? I'm, I'm Basting instead of kidding. I'm getting one extra point. I'm getting exactly. one extra point. And if yeah. I hit a Mysterio with this, that's like five extra points. What are we doing here? Yes. Like, it, it's, it's mm -hmm. actually literally that simple. Like, you're not Basting a kitty, you're Basting everything else. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. So what Lambie is saying is that he's willing to take the the one the one loss in value of the kitty, turn the kitty into yes. a one three in order to draw another card and get an additional three points on it or two points. You know, if you look at most of the cards in the bounce deck, they do benefit um, from yes. this card. You know, like the Iron Man, you can count that as sort of like a, a plus six buff. The Mysterio, like you said, is yeah. plus five because the way Mysterio works is Mysterio uh, for people that don't know because I guess it's 
Mysterio does have some funky ass interactions, by the way. Yeah. But Mysterio is a it's a it puts three things and one thing in each lane, and they're all zero zeros. And the one that the main one you played is zero four. But when you bast it, everything is a is a three. It's three power yeah. uh, effectively. So I might this I might two, be an idiot. Two, nine. I actually prioritize basting Mysterio over Iron Man. I don't know if that makes me stupid or not, but like it's so damn good on the phone. It is. If we if quantitatively though, the Iron Man is better by one point, right? Because it's less flexible. Them, like there are gonna be situations where you're not yeah. playing the Iron Man, but there's basically never gonna be a situation where you're not playing Mysterio. That's like. true. That's true, because Mysterio in and of itself when paired with the with uh with the Hitmonkey is an additional plus six on Hitmonkey. Which yeah. is it's a two nine. Ridiculous. It's like Doctor Doom. It's barely worse than Doctor Doom. It's like four points worse than Doctor Doom. And yeah. it's a lot cheaper. Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, it, it's, so the thing is, one thing we should probably. I, 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 I assume the same for you, but you, I pretty much never play Mysterio on two. I never play Mysterio pretty much no, without never. the hit monkey. Almost yeah. never. Yeah, almost yeah. never. So because of that, Mysterio in bounce is frequently the 2-9 like we talked about. Yes. Or you do the 4, which is so it's a 2-4 plus 6 because you're always playing with hit monkey. So it's a 2-10 um, in that case, right? Um, the 2-9 is actually before the hit monkey buff. It's a 2-15. 2-15 <laughs> when yeah. you play it fast. So that, 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 that card is actually one of the most op cards in, in bounce which is funny because a lot of the cards in bounce are actually overpowered but um other cards that are key to have in your opening hand we talked about the bass uh, uh kitty pride is obvious but things like angela things like bitch up like those are key to sort of pushing that singular lane so that you can now play the hit monkey in an additional off lane like the angela is just absolutely ridiculous in this deck because of its interaction with with kitty pride specifically if you're able to get that ca card kitty pride buffing the Angela, then going back to hand. Um, it just allows you to grow that Angela to such such a size. Do you guys frequently find yourself playing Bishop on three? And if it's contextual, what is it contextual on? I was going to ask the same question because <laughs> it's, is, it's one of these scenarios a... where I personally, I think a lot of it, like, you know, obviously if they storm, yeah, I'm going to, if, if they have a storm, I'm, I'm going to save the Bishop until four so I can put it in the storm lane, right? I can know where that's going to mm. be. But yeah, I think a lot of the time, like the old bounce style is, you know, Angela plus Kitty on two or Angela plus Kitty on three, Bishop plus Kitty on four. And like, that's the style of bounce that actually loses to wave because then you're beasting on five and dying. Right. So yep. I think I think, again, like like everything else, it's it's contingent on what your opponent is doing to try to beat you. And if you're able to give up two power on a kitty to get a bishop in early and benefit from that, then, yeah, you're fine with that. Yeah, to add to that, I feel like uh, because generally I, I'm quite adaptive when it comes to my playstyle. I I give up the kitty stats very often because I I always talk about this. I have this thing. I, I do this thing called future side, whereby especially with 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 like uh, with with uh, bounce, you really have to have future side because like the deck is like I'm not even kidding when I say that you can plan the game from turn one and know how you win from turn one or how you lose. You really can, you really can because like like if I know that this deck like my opponent runs wave and like it eventually would likely be be played on turn five i will undervalue kitty a lot like i will just undervalue her and just play stuff that doesn't go back to my hand because like at the end of the day if they wave on five uh and you play a lot of stuff on five you they actually lose tempo so uh you don't really care that you're losing stats on the kitty if your stuff just sticks mm -hmm. in their uh, going into their wave turn so 
yeah, I do undervalue Kitty a lot if I know what I'm up against. But like, for example, things like the mirror, whereby both people have Kitty on one, you might want to max value. Um, I mean, obviously, that's also case by case, right? Like, you don't have to max value if you have Bast and they don't have Bast because, right, they're also losing stats because your Mysterio is a 2-9, their Mysterio is not a 2-9, you know, stuff like that. So, it's super technical, but I feel like at the end of the day, the TLDR is that, like, there's no hard and fast rule as to how big you need your Kitty to be. It's really dependent on the matchup and, like, the exact hand. I think more people make the mistake, and I'm including myself in this, because I've watched my own gameplay back, and I've been like, oh, oh man. I think more people than not make the mistake of overvaluing the kitty. I think yeah, if you're listening illusion. to this, you are probably overvaluing the kitty. Because yeah, it for feels sure. good to do that. It feels good. Oh, the number, the number, we're doing the thing. This is the thing the deck does. But like one of the things about becoming a good player is you have to take yourself out of just letting the deck play itself and you have to play the yes. deck. And that yep. kitty is one of the situations where the deck plays itself for you and that feels really good because you don't have to think about shit but you actually do unfortunately <laughs> think about shit. yeah you do yeah yeah it's um it's so with the yeah if you think about it with the bishop if you take off on if you take off the the kitty the kitty bonus on three in order to play the bishop um you'll likely be getting more points out of that bishop over the course of a bounce game if you're doing something where to hit monkey or point slam, Wait, point that's, slam that's not no fiber. that's not always true that's not always true. Like there no, are you're right. You it's not always it, true. But like you, it's one of those things. Like it, it, people think of the game outside of the context, right? And mm -hmm. that's impossible because the game is the context. You have to, everything is context, right? Like you can't. It's it's what's why it bother heuristics bother me so much because you know the heuristic in this situation is yeah you play the you you do the you maximize your kitty power. But that's how you play the deck in a vacuum. That's not how you play the deck if you think they're going to wave you, right? Like that's yes. that's the basic thing here, right? Like it's like everything else with bounce. It's about what they're doing to you, and bounce. Like yeah. I mean, that's how most games of Marvel Snap are. Right? Like that's, that's how it's being good at card games is you think about what they're going to do to you. But bounce more vulnerable than anything to blowouts because you're just automatically going to win if they're doing nothing to you. Yeah. yeah. You can't afford to auto lose a storm lane as bounce. You're you're left with two exactly, lanes to deploy exactly. on, which is not enough. And then if they spider man the other lane, you auto lose. Like I mean, it's just, yeah, right. You, you can't you can't afford it's it. It's like it's like um okay. So there's that location that you can't play cards after turn four. Was it called? Is it called kiln? kiln? Yeah, kiln. Okay, so kiln. Um, the 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 one that makes you everything cost more expensive on turn five. That location. I, I'm so shit with names. Yeah, but like all these <laughs> all these locations, the moment you see it, right, your brain needs to switch and then you need to like maybe potentially start undervaluing Kitty and start playing more like stat permanence without actually like making Kitty bigger. Yeah, like yeah, Marvel sure. Snap is a game defined by context enforced by not just your opponent's deck, but the locations, right? And yeah. it's, it's, it's why there's just no easy answer to this. Like the answer mm. is going to be like, I, this sounds so stupid, but you do the thing that is smart in the situation. Like, that's what no, you do. No, it's not stupid. It's absolutely correct. It's absolutely correct. Yeah. It, it I, sounds I stupid because you guys. it's like a tautology, right? What's the smart play? Doing the thing that's smart. Like, yeah, of course it is. But yeah. like, it's, it, the key is the, the second part of it, which is the situation. You have to Context. be adaptive. I think in order to make the correct decision more often than not in the situations, it does drastically help to understand the math of a lot of this stuff, at least to its fundamentals. Because when we talk about when you, when we we talk about Mysterio being a two fifteen, I guarantee you there's there's 
people out there that play this deck, that play the Mysterio on the Hitmonkey have never thought about the card like that, never thought about its actual value in those scenarios, um, you know, after it's been bashed and things like that. And I, I think you're 100% right. It's, it's very... It's very dependent on this, this scenario. Everything is extremely contextual in Marvel Snap, and Marvel Snap is a very high-variance game, especially with the locations. But it's important to understand the trade-off of the the like literal quantitative values because they help guide you in the direction of making the right decision. They give you those little shortcuts. So when you see a scenario where something is stormed, or you see a scenario where there's a kiln and you know you have to commit points, you have that that little, you know, this little note in the back of your mind you know of how to potentially sequence that correctly i want to ask you guys about two cards um two cards in the bounce list that are sometimes in the same list but not always one of them is a new card which is spider ham and then i want to ask you about Iceman. what are the use cases of these cards and are either of these actual staples in the list that you think that are just permanent well for me it's very simple uh like okay so so i, I, I want to bring a third card into this which is shang chi mm -hmm. so um I think the general idea is when it comes to tech cards in a very like like multiple pieces kind of deck like bounce right you need to look at it as a as a whole thing whereby the tech cards are supposed to be in the deck or like can fit in the deck if it doesn't hurt and even benefits your overall game plan. So why I bring Shang-Chi into this is because Spider-Man and Iceman without even talking about their effects yet they cost 1. So when it costs one, it means with beast it costs zero, right? Mm -hmm. And zero is infinitely better than one Marvel Snap because you can fit it all into one turn. So cost, when things cost zero with beast, it means they benefits monkey, benefits bishop, benefits Angela. Uh, Shang Chi can never cost zero in the deck. So in terms of tech cards that are most relevant to your overall strategy and doesn't compromise you for the most part, uh, Iceman and Ham severely outclass Shang Chi because it doesn't brick you and. To go even deeper into that, Iceman versus Ham, I feel like in the current state of the meta, I look at things like Lockjaw and I look at things like the Bounce Mirror, I still think Iceman is the superior card to Ham because it screws the curve. And for Lockjaw screwing the curve, it just means they could pass turn three and that's GG. And they for... Just um, yeah, they just die. And like for... um what's that called? Bounce mirrors or just bounce? Yes, you can ham the Iron Man. It's huge. But before you even need to think about Iron Man, if you can Iceman a Kitty, Iceman a Beast, Iceman a Angela, Iceman a Bishop, right? They don't even get to turn five without like worry. So mm. Iceman is very likely still the superior card based on the meta. It's another reason to not play Bast on turn one, by the way, because if you play Bast on turn one and you have Kitty in hand, it gets Iceman, the game is over, basically. It's you're in a really bad yeah, spot. Yeah, because it... You do actually just die in the mirror if you have a two-cost kitty. But yeah, they true. never get to actually know that. So there is true. that. True. Uh, true. They'll figure it out eventually, you don't but have they it. don't get to know just it you don't have the, uh, Just think you don't have kitty, but yeah. yeah. Wait until they change Iceman. It's going to become an infinitely more popular card, even though it does the same thing. <laughs> Spider-Ham is so weird to me. I can't... I have no read on the card. This card has been out for a while. I've played with it a bunch. It's, uh, it's got my preferred border and all that stuff. I've played a lot of Spider-Ham. I can't tell how it's like, I, sometimes I wonder if I just cut it, would I even notice? And the reason I don't is because I think specifically in the Evo lockdown matchup, it has just mm. an insane amount of utility. And I would play yeah. any number of cards to make that matchup not terrible because it is so bad if you're not preparing for it. But like 
Spider-Ham early hitting a Spider-Man or something, and then Spider-Man late hitting a or Spider-Ham late hitting a Doctor Doom is just like it's the most disgusting thing you can do in that yeah. matchup. And so, I do want to bring an, a, a think, fourth card in here though. Cool. I want to I want to want to pitch you on a card. We've had this conversation okay. before. He's gonna be mad. Uh, what about Electra? It's oh, actually good yeah. in the mirror. I swear to God, it is good in the mirror. I tried it, but man, I hate that card so much, man. Like I just feel it's so difficult it's like okay it's easier okay so you're not wrong in the fan sense that i actually would consider the card because it costs one correct like it fits the theory of like like what i'm I'm talking about but it's not one of those tech cards that you can play as freely that's true. as iceman and ham you know yeah, and iceman i think and that restricts it a little bit yeah iceman and ham are doing something every time right whether yeah. or not that thing is like particularly good that's up to whatever they hit but electra is not doing something else. And that's, yeah. that's, yeah. But it yeah. is, it is sincerely one of the only deck building things I can think of that can make you win a mirror. Because, like, figuring out ways to win a mirror in decks is something I focus on pretty, pretty heavily. If I think mm -hmm. I'm playing the best deck, I want to play the one that beats the mirror, right? And so, that is, like, Electra is, like, one of literally one way. I cannot think of another way that actually gives me a significant mirror advantage without giving up just a ton of shit. Mm. Fair I, point. The thing about Electra, and I, so I tested it actually quite a bit in lead up to the tournament. And Same, I, I did as well. Yeah, so the reason why I don't like Electra is, one, you you have to manipulate prior, uh, priority correctly. And then if you also manipulate priority correctly, you still have to guess the right lane. Because the way Kid, yeah. Kid it interacts, it's bouncing back to Henry time. So not only do you have to be in a preferable priority scenario, and if your opponent knows you're on Electra, then you know, they're trying to manipulate it as well. But you also have to guess the Kitty lane. So your opponent now knows you have Electra in something like a Conquest. They're playing the Kitty lane, maybe not in the Angela lane. They're planning it into you know an off lane. All this kind of stuff. I feel like the card is just very easy-ish. Not not super easy, but you can play around it. And then let's talk about the floor of Electra. Then, what's the floor? Well, the floor is a one-two. It's gonna it's gonna hit the Bast. It's gonna hit the Ham. It's gonna hit the Iceman. Oh wow, it's a one-three now. It's it, it's just it's and it frees up a spot. It frees up a spot for your opponent's bounce deck. That's, so that's why I don't if, in the heads-up matchup bounce feed bounce. I take Ham over Electra if I had to pick every day of the week because you play if you play a bounce mirror, just. Have one player not play the ham. Have the other one play the ham. You'll realize quickly how fucking annoying that card is. You're like, your opponent plays ham. Wow, it hit my beast. I lose. Your opponent plays ham. Wow, it hit my Iron Man. This yeah. card is literally dead. Like <laughs> it's it's just so frustrating <laughs> to play against. That's interesting. That's interesting. Okay, I, you you actually you have convinced me. You have convinced me. Oh, that's one more. Is, one more thing. is only worthwhile if she's actually winning you the mirror. And if she's not winning you the mirror, then she's not worth playing. Yeah, there's one more thing that I want to add, which actually Brendan touched on, but like in my testing, this came up so often, which is okay, because this only happens, uh, I, I think you guys know this, but like maybe didn't realize it as often. But like the thing is, if you're trying to snipe the kitty, right, the kitty is always going to be played in the lane with other one cost cards because they want to bounce, bounce everything with um, um, beast anyway. So mm -hmm. if it's very often going to be played in the lane with other one cost cards, you are very often doing like 50-50 or like 33% yeah. snipes, which... That's not very fun, right? For a card that's so niche. Damn. So, well, yeah. one day we'll figure out how to actually beat the mirror. One of the things that made me yeah. like really yeah. off bounce when it was like the big deck at, when Kitty first like came back was just like, oh, I have no idea. I do not feel like, especially on ladder, it's just like, oh, these mirrors are draw RNG. They played Kitty and I didn't mm. play Kitty. I'm dead. <laughs> like, I am somebody. Out of here. Somebody asked me 
can't because I, I guess I, I'm kind of known as a Shadow King truther at this point. But somebody's like, "Can we play yeah. Shadow King and bounce?" And I was like, "I I tried it. Didn't I, did. I, I really ask did. you that? No, it was yeah. it was bro, it was Brown. Brown asked it. Okay. it well. It was always Brown. I don't think you can because the curve is too clunky and the symmetrical yes. the symmetrical effect of Shadow King hits more cards than you think it does. So let me run you through this. It hits Kitty. It hits Angela. It hits Bishop. Guess what else it hits? It hits Mysterio. Like oh, yeah, this true. thing hits everything and it's symmetrical. Um, your opponent is if they sense you have Shadow King or just not. What's funny is that the, the, the bounce deck actually just naturally splits the Bishop and Angela usually. So you're not getting two for one with that. And then you yeah. also have to have preferential priority, which means you have to not have priority in order to snipe both the Angela and the Kitty, which is your dream El Dorado scenario. So that also is unlikely to happen. And all because of all those reasons, I don't think you can play Shadow King uh, in the mirror, but I do think that Shadow King absolutely destroys bounce if you can play a deck that can fit it in. Can we talk about priority Agreed. for a second? Go for because, it. Because, like, that, like, we've had priority decks in Marvel Snap before, right? Like, you know, be ahead deck, leech leader kind of thing. But, mm -hmm. oh my god, is bounce a priority deck? It's yeah. just a priority it's, deck yeah. the other way. Like, I'm out here playing Invisible Woman, Killmonger, Shang-Chi stuff because I am so sick of not being able to play these cards against bounce. Yep. Do you want to know why bounce is OP? Because of the way kitty interacts with priority because kitty goes back to hand and puts zero points on the board and basically in in almost every scenario where you're playing against a in a, another functional deck that's not also playing kitty they will have priority and it's yeah. just so easy to accumulate uh persistent or you know increasing advantage by buffing your kitty while also not having priority and not being subject to Killmonger, to Elektra, to like all of these cards that are designed to actually beat that. And that's why I honestly think that that is the single reason right now, or the main reason that Bounce is just a total bullshit deck. It, it, it can play around tech cards easily. Yeah. Uh, on that note, I want to say that it's super easy to beat Shang-Chi. Like, because the thing is, you see, right? Like, if they want to Shang your Angela, you're, they want to Shang your Bishop, right? That's a final turn four energy commitment. If they have to final turn four energy commitment to kill your Angela or Bishop, why not I just leave my Bishop or Angela at 7 or 8 and 4 energy, you, you're going to spend 4 energy to try and kill it, but like if I'm leaving at 7 or 8, like it's big enough, right? It's big enough. You can't you can, I got beat absolutely rolled yeah. by a bounce player doing that. They just let everything yeah. was 7, including their bastard hit monkey. It's just like, it's all yeah. perfect. It's like, it's all 7. It's just like, oh my God. Yeah, because if it's all if it's all a bunch of little little guys that have overstated stats, like even if it's five, six, or seven, it's all cheap. You you play a lot of it, it's gonna compound to like way more than like one singular nine, ten, eleven power card. The um Shang Chi. Oh, I just wonder. Hold on, hold on. Is... I gotta stop. I gotta revisit that for a second. Think about how Go fucked up that is. It's like yeah, if you just like only if you intentionally limit your power, you're still winning all these games. Like if you, yeah, yeah. If you I've actually done it a lot as well. Especially if you know they have Shang and you know that they are like, it's kind of it's kind of obvious when they're setting up to Shang you, right? They have like one thing in their lane and then you know that if they go Shang there, they win the lane. You, you kind of know it's coming so you can like just not let them do it. That's one of those situations yeah, yeah. where you really need to be thinking about that the whole game, right? Yes. If you accidentally get too overzealous and that Angela hits seven or nine too early, well then you're kind exactly, of fucked. exactly, exactly. Yeah. The in the mirror, Shang in the mirror, Shang Chi starts out as a pig. I'll say that. That is the you worst card. It, it, like that is the worst card in the mirror. 
by yeah, a mile. A, it is a 4-3. It's a 4-3 yep. pig. From the start, it's a 4-3 pig. Because it literally yeah. does nothing if your opponent knows how to play around it, which they should. It's, it's not even if they do. Do they know anything to play around? Like, you're never actually just going to play it unless they literally put an angel at a 9 before turn 5. Like, unless they yeah. put an angel at a 9, you're never playing the card. Where you guess I mean, the they hit, can put, they they put it to 9, but like at the same time, if you're spending four energy to kill the Angela, they're just <laughs> spending all their energy doing more things. Did yeah, you guys you know still, that Angela still and Bishop used to have one more power? That was another. Yes, thing I remember that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Angela and Bishop used to have one more power. That was, uh, the old beta Marvel Snap was so cool. It was just like twenty-seven yeah. of the world's worst cards. There's a few uh, cards. There's a few cards actually. Mysterio used to be a natty two-five. Like uh, I mean, there's there's a. Uh, this wasn't even in beta. This was like in open access as well, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, yeah. I actually I don't Mysterio know. Mysterio two-five was in open access. I'm quite sure. I'm quite sure Mysterio was changed. I'm, I'm after. positive that it was. Yeah. Uh, it was changed in open access. It was a two-five. Um, yeah, yeah, I remember. So what's funny is that we have an. an we have multiple pages of notes left to talk about, but we ended up just talking about bounce the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> the entire time. Uh, I want to ask you guys though, do you think that bounce is a overpowered deck that needs, do you think it needs a nerf or does it need a change? And is it constricting the meta in a negative way? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think. What do you want no, to I, say? I thought about it a bit and like, this is like the Sarah deck that does more than the Sarah deck yes, ever did. Like, because they, like, yeah. Every, the, the issue, here's, here's the thing with Bounce. I feel, like, I feel like this is not a point I'm very good at conveying, so bear with me. But it completely invalidates every deck that is not built to beat it. Completely. Mm, yes. It, like... And what that means, though, is like there are all these other kinds of decks that want to put points on the board because that's like a basic thing in Marvel Snap. You win games by putting points Actually. on the board. And every single one of them just 100 zeroed by bounce. Like just absolutely 100 zeroed. Shuri, like that's a cool deck. It'd be cool if we could actually play it. That, that would be super nice, yeah. but you can't because you lose to bounce. Black Bolt Stature, yeah. that'd be super cool. Maybe well, I'd love to play Black Bolt Stature. Oh, wait, we put out like. 20 points of power and they put out 40 okay i guess we're fucking dead like that there are so many decks that you could be playing otherwise that you absolutely cannot be playing without like three dedicated slots to deal with this crap i don't think it's three i think it's like five or six because i you reference the i'll reference the brendan deck like like the only reason why brendan's deck is insane is because it destroys bounds but it's a pocket meta right like yep. that surfer deck is good in that one tournament and if like if you want to play that deck on ladder and you 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 literally need to pray you fight bounce nine out of ten times if not it's like pointless right i actually yeah, have a bit yeah. of hope for that deck because like i like i said i've really been enjoying this invisible woman i've been on this invisible woman killmonger shang chi kick for a little bit where it's just like i feel like it opens up deck building just a little bit in terms of like having a way to combat bounce that is not wave because wave yeah. constricts your deck building so heavily and also doesn't fucking work, right? So you need a way to combat bounce that isn't wave. So I've been on that kick, and I, I really wonder if we could get... Because if we already have like a super positive bounce matchup, can we get a Shang-Chi in there and get us to positive against Lockjaw? And like mm. that's, I think, my major question. is like, if we can do that, then suddenly you're cooking with gas in that archetype. Yeah, so I played that deck, like when I was playing that deck in the tournament, 
most of the times I was queuing it, it was, you know, the the sort of paradox my opponent would face is that they literally can't keep bouncing to me because they'll lose that deck. So that I would have to play that deck into other decks that are not bounced. And basically the entire thesis of it is that I would just steal lanes with Storm plus Iron Lad plus Silk. And like, that's it. It's like, I, I steal lane from you. I basically, you know, I play unfair in one lane. And the other lane, I just juggernaut you out and then try to win with like, you know, yeah. Um, Maximus plus plus uh, plus Surfer or so something. Like, you know, but like, what if you were stealing lanes with with the 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 storm stuff, and then also stealing lanes with Invisible Woman Shang Chi? No, I, I think that I think it's possible. It's just like, is it? So the farther you get away from that deck, uh, just like absolutely dismantling bounce. It's like, do we? Is it good enough? That we still want to play because if there's if there's ever a point in which you're playing that deck and it loses to bounce it's like what am i doing yeah there's right? no like, point then, you yeah. you have to destroy bounce and um you know maybe killmonger with invisible woman is enough to do is enough to do that maybe having a uh shadow king in your deck is just enough because shadow king is like a 250 or a 315 in that deck like it, it's nuts but maybe that's enough but i you know i landed on that list progressively right i started out with a normal sarah list or a normal kind of like controly sarah list and i just started taking out cards and just putting in more hate cards and more hate cards and you know that's how i got to this point where i was just i was beating balance to that 90 10 or not so i think if we if we walk it back and we find a sarah deck or something my biggest worry is that we just end up with a fair deck and this is not a fair game it, not a fair I, want be, I don't want it to be i don't want it to be i don't want it to be a normal sarah deck i want it to be sarah surfer but with a shang chi in it mm. Yeah, and I think okay. I think I saw you talking about it. you're gonna think about cutting the Sarah too. I think that's pretty reasonable to be honest. I don't I know Sarah's if you like necessarily want to cut the Sarah, but I gotta <laughs> tell you, I'm really down on her as a card right now. Like like in terms of just being a magnet for Spider Ham, like oh yeah, my god, yeah. dude. Yeah, it's funny because it's funny because turn five wave just doesn't happen anymore because I feel like there's like a you know, people are more aware that turn five wave doesn't do shit versus bounce. But if you want to talk about decks that lose to turn five wave, it's not bounce. It's Sarah. Sarah gets freaking destroyed yep. by turn five wave. Sarah gets <laughs> oh demolished. God. Sarah, like, yeah. you got to feel bad for Sarah because, like, it got power crept by, like, Darkhawk Black Bolt, right? Because, like, the whole concept of that list mm -hmm. is, like, what if we just played Sarah and then didn't play Sarah because it's better to get the discount on a stature? And the and then it got power crept by bounce, which is just power creeping both of them. And it's just like, man, remember when Sarah was like the class of the meta? And then you think back and you're like, was that ever actually true post like post open beta? Has it ever actually been? Yes, because there was a card called Silver Surfer that used to do plus. Right. Three. OK, yes. That yeah, is Sarah a big was. nerd. We, <laughs> oh, yeah. we found the last time Sarah was good. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that was actually the last time it was really legit, like game winning. Yeah. Yeah uh anyway um yeah we talked about bounce the entire time i was gonna uh, lambie you know what i'm gonna extend this a little bit and ask you one quick question that i hope i hope ends up being quick but you know conquest did come out i know a lot of people are trying to do infinity runs i believe the math i haven't i haven't checked the math myself but the math is like for every 5-0 there's 31 losers or something like yeah, that yeah i saw like, it somewhere it's not the, what do you mean that's I, the very very clear math what are you talking about no i'm saying i didn't check it i didn't check it so i could it okay. looks it looks clear it I is believe, correct but like what <laughs> if someone comes in here and is like this is incorrect i'm just gonna it's I not that's how math I works wash my <laughs> i wash my hands <laughs> yeah anyway Lambie, you've had you have four yep. infinity borders you're yep. you know you're the expert on f you know, four uh four decks there so just tell people a few tips 
on how to potentially get that 5-0? What are some, some things, some sort of tactics and decks that you found have been successful in achieving that, uh, you know, that 5-0 in Conquest? Right. Firstly, let me say that like I, I don't I'm pretty sure I do not have the highest win rate in Conquest. Uh, but I have the highest win rate, one of the highest win rates, I think, on Infinite Five. Like I, I have never lost a single Infinite Five game. Like if I hit Infinite Five, I always win that game because I think that game is the one that has the most stress. Like all my opponents in Infinite Five, the last the four that I've played, because I won 4-0, they all played weird as shit. Like they were so scared. <laughs> to play the game properly. It was so obvious, right? Like, they had god hands and they were never snapping. They had, like, uh, horrible hands and they were just staying because they wanted to hope for the best, that kind of thing. Like, I feel like the biggest, like, I'm, just, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about Proving Ground Silver or Gold. I'm just going to talk straight about Infinite Conquest, right? It's, it's, it's relatively high stakes for the average player, correct? So, I think one thing you need to remember is that, like, you... The problem is I cannot give this advice because it's easy for me because I know how to handle the pressure. But I feel at the end of it, the core is you need to remember that like it's just another game of Marvel Snap. Like people that know how to play Marvel Snap, like people that have grinded Infinite, they will probably just win Infinite Conquest if they just get the pressure out of their head. So like easier said than done. Like I feel like it's really about like expectation management, pressure management, like understanding the stakes. And like, this is the problem. I cannot really give you the advice because like, like it's really about experience because like if you know how to handle stress, Infinite Conquest is not difficult, right? It's just the same game of Marvel Snap that you play on ladder, just that it's in like an environment whereby you, you, you get a freaking avatar after you win the thing. So like, it's the same thing. You just need to figure out a way yourself to know how to manage stress. Like everyone does it differently. I guess maybe you can think of it as like a, just like, pretending that it's not an infinite avatar match but like I'm, I, it's really depending on how you, you do it yourself that's all I can say like you just gotta manage like the expectations and like the stress I'll chime in here and I'll say the stress is actually very intense for me because if I don't 5-0 I can't make a video on the deck uh, yeah <laughs> that's, that's so stressful because like I had the Darkhawk one I lost an infinite 5 with the Dark yeah. Hawk deck, and I was just like, oh my god, I know this deck is good. I know I need to do a video on it. I paid 500 gold to go back in there, and I yeah, won so, it. So, so that's the thing. That, that's the thing, KM. Like, the fact that you have this, like, preconceived requirement, right? You, you In your mind, it's like, okay, 5-0 or no video. It's the same <laughs> as other people. Like, um, for other people, it's going to be like, uh, oh... 5-0 or no more last ticket. 5-0 or down to my last ticket. 5-0 or I wasted this ticket. Like, the fact that you have this thought is what screws you over. Mm. Which is the problem because I don't know how to tell you how to not have this thought because if you care about something, you would have expectations, right? Like, you cannot say that, like, uh, you shouldn't think of winning because if you love the game, you will want to win. So I cannot exactly tell you that you should just not care. That is not good advice. But, like, I think what I can say is that in order for you to win in this kind of pressure situations you need to figure out a way to channel the nervous oh that okay i figured it out yes channel the nervous energy into the actual playing which is like kind of what i did versus then right i was probably gonna lose but instead of like worrying about what if i lose i worried about how to win this game and i think if you channel that nervous energy and stress into productive thoughts and not like oh shit no five oh no video that kind of thing then yeah, you are more likely no, to win. No, that's absolutely, that's absolutely correct, right? It's not that you need yeah. to not think these things. It's correct, that you need correct. to not think them while the game is still on. You can correct. fucking be sad later. 
like yeah of course like yeah. the game is still though. happening it's not over yes yeah i mean i think it's just it, it's natural to feel that stress as you get to the 5-0 it's just it, you gotta understand that a lot of it is is a fallacy right i think i think there would be there, there exist players that would go 4-1 in multiple conquests and still view that 5-0 match as in 5-0 i'm good at the game 4-1 i'm still shit you know it's just like this crazy concept where you know their actual win rate is insane you know, insane going four one back to back to back for some reason because there's this little carrot on the stick that exists at the end. It's like it's like this way to qualify that you are somewhat or in the club or you're good, which which it's not, right? And it leads to stress and leads to you leads to you yeah. playing worse. Um, one thing, one sort of tangible tip that I do uh, I implement in conquest frequently because it is closed deckless is I try to play the first few games pretty safe until I see all the cards in my opponent's deck. I do not get eight cubed early to a tech card that i don't know about i think that that's that's a big trap you <laughs> know it's a big trap you can play around them right you can play around them without explicitly seeing them but getting into a high stakes match or even any conquest match and going you know seeing a great curve putting a bunch of power on the board and snap you know getting you know dragged into an eight cube where your opponent has the shang that actually wins the game or the shadow king god forbid if you're playing bounce um I try to avoid those scenarios as much as possible in close deck list. And, you know, Lambie's talked about this on the on the past podcast, not in Conquest specifically, but in using those first one to two games as a way to get as much information out of your opponent as possible, which increases your sort of leverage when you're snapping in future games. Yeah, so I uh, want to add to that. Uh, actually, I just realized that I've been doing this very subconsciously, but I actually, actually never really talked about it much, which is like, this is really a close danglish strategy that like, I don't think people really understand is so good, which is that it's called throwing the game on purpose. Like so, like uh sorry, it's just I like do the this name. I, it's called yeah, throwing I, I, the game on purpose. <laughs> yeah, so I do this a lot because I've played so much card games before and I know how it works. But like uh to me it's second nature, but like let me just share a little bit about how it works. So basically, uh round one, infinite conquest whatever okay whatever round that like you feel stress or whatever right but like your opponent also probably feels a little bit of stress and whatsoever so they won't think of doing this but if you actively think of doing it you kind of benefit which is like if your hand is not the absolute nuts for example just don't play a single card let them like play their cards they you'll be surprised how many how many people don't realize what's happening like you're intentionally throwing until it's too late like i've gotten up to like a lot of times round five before they realize oh wait i just showed them six free cards then i'm like all right i just saw six free cards i know your whole deck <laughs> then the moment they snap all right next game like it's a real thing like people don't actively realize that they are falling for this trap because it's so counterintuitive but it works you can get so much free information. Like, I've gone down to the point whereby they literally Professor X an empty lane on turn 5 yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I was waiting for that to happen, dude. I need to see the X. So, like, one cube, I saw, like, six cards. All right, let's go next. Yeah, turn yeah. 4, temp Tempo Shang-Chi and you're like, okay, thank you. <laughs> yeah, you. yeah. Okay, no, that's a bit actually, that's a bit much, but like, <laughs> but like, 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 yeah, I, I, I've, I've done this like a few times because like, if my hand is not the absolute nuts and I feel like I need more to extract more information, I'm just like, all right, let's just troll. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I just like yeah. that's the second time the, this this podcast you've done you said something was like and the strategy is called and then you just describe <laughs> describe the strategy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. It is basically the that. strategy is but called legal, throw the game on purpose. Let me explain how that works. You throw the game on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it's legal, so like <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
All right, I've got a strategy. It's called record a podcast. Here's how it works. We're going to record a podcast. (laughs) Yep, and uh, a a follow-up strategy is talk about some of the lists that you could potentially use to be successful in Conquest. And those lists would be, um, I mean, I I think all of us would recommend Bounce at this point. Bounce is a great list to potentially 5-0 in Conquest. Outside of that, I ran um, one Bounce run and 5-0. And then I was like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not doing this again. Like, I'm good. Perfect, I know it's good. I'm going to do other stuff. Yeah. I mean, you're all, you're creating content, too. So you definitely. Yeah, you know, you I'm, I'm good. I know this deck is good. I'd like, it's just it wasn't even close. It was just like, OK, well, that was great. I'm done now. <laughs> One other deck I want to put on people's radars because it's pretty decent. It can be good against bounce is the destroy deck. I know Lambie did a five Oh, with oh it, yeah. But that's, uh, that's Nova, Bucky Barnes, carnage, Wolverine, Killmonger, Venom, Deathlock, Shuri, Nimrod, Arnim Zola, America Chavez destroyer. So fundamentally a, a Nimrod deck. And I know you talked about it, um, that you sort of discovered this, or you, the group of you discovered this while you were coming back from the content creator, UK tournament yeah. in the car. And you're like, hmm, Nimrod's been buffed. A lot of stats, eh? So, and yeah, do you stand stats. by this? Because I feel like I'm not going to talk about the normal things that people are talking about, right? Like, I feel like this okay. gets so much value out of not just the current metagame, but like people not knowing what you're doing. And once mm-hmm. they realize what you're doing, they might not adapt in time. But like, once you realize what's going on with Nimrod stuff, one of the things I picked out is like, if they're not shurying into Nimrod, you're kind of not doing a lot of good things here. Like, Shuri Nimrod is very close to unbeatable a lot of the time, yeah. or at least at least the kind of unbeatable where you're just like never staying in against it. But I kind of wonder if the proper strategy against this deck is just like if they're not shurying on four, you're snapping them like it's it's there's oh. something to it. I don't really know. I've played this deck a lot, like, because my, my Discord was crazy over this deck, and apparently they were crazy over this deck for a week before I was, because, like, there's so many messages, sometimes I just don't notice, but I was this person in my Discord that was like, this is the nuts, they've been saying it for weeks and no one listens to them, then only when Lambie starts to look at it and they're like, oh my god, it's, it's the nuts, but, like, this person in Discord actually has been talking about it, and, like, so I picked this deck up, I played it a lot, my whole Discord was crazy about it for, like, the last two days, Um, the deck is quite sick versus bounce. Okay, I, I still think bounce is inevitably the best deck, but like this deck has quite a sick bounce matchup because versus, bounce has no way to interact with the Nimrod stuff. Like the thing is, you can play it like, but like if you're the bounce player, yeah. don't you just snap the second they don't play Shuri? Because you're gonna go taller than non Shuri Nimrod. Yeah, correct, correct. So this someone in my Discord again came out with this ideology, and I think it's perfectly correct. Right, this Nimrod deck is quite literally. Uh, Thanos Lockjaw. You don't draw that curve, you just leave. You don't draw oh. that curve, you just leave. Yeah. Is it, it's that it, deck. It's, all- it's really that deck, just that it's only 12 cards. But like, because if you draw that hand, you draw Shuri Nimrod, there's like freaking four or five destroy effects in the deck. So like, mm-hmm. if you draw Shuri Nimrod, you just beat bounce. They have zero ways to interact with all the 12 stuff flying around. And like, you go like, okay, sometimes you even have a Wolverine there. So like, for example, you do Wolverine on two, turn three, you don't really care. Shuri, Nimrod, and then like, um, final turn, just go like Deathlock Carnage or even better, Venom Carnage. You just win because it's 12 times four and then Venom is the the Venom. And then like, there's like some other stuff on the board as well. So it's a lot like, it's very difficult for Bounce to allocate efficiently into all that. And also, 
Uh, this one is a bit of a spoiler, but like our version 2.0 that we've been working on is leaning super hard into the whole... This one's not on Twitter yet, like, but like it will be on there soon. But like we are leaning even harder into the whole Nimrod or Bus strat, which is like we are playing Iron Lad right now because mm-hmm. Iron Lad is a second Nimrod. <laughs> and even it's also Psylocke, in second Shuri. Oh God. And even, yeah. <laughs> so Psylocke's literally leaning super hard into the, the thing, which is Psylocke, Shuri, Lad. That's the, the God curve, right? Psylocke, Shuri, Lad, hit Nimrod, GG. Right, we lean super hard into that right now, and it works. It's just that you need to have the ideology that like you don't hit it, leave. You don't hit it, leave. Uh, yeah, this is going up on Twitter. Hopefully, before your video goes up, but <laughs> but yeah, very soon, very soon. I feel can like I, that's exactly uh, where. I... Like once you start playing Psylocke, you lose me every time. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, like that is a tough, consistent thing. Like every time any deck, like Wobolos did it, he was like, we're doing Psylocke so we get out uh, an early Black Bolt or whatever. It's like, no, I'm out. I'm so out here. I'm not playing that card. I refuse. <laughs> it's just because <laughs> this deck really wants to do one thing only. Like we, you, okay, so hear me out again. We actually even cut Bucky from the deck because Bucky clocks the lane. <laughs> That's how all in we are with the whole like Nimrod of Bass strat, And it works. It works. It works. Oh, that's so heinous. Yeah. I mean, you're what? It works. What, what's the odds for a two card? Actually, the odds for a two card combo with Chavez. I can actually, I can actually pull those up. I have those. I have that. I have well, that bookmark. Hold can, on. Can I hit you with some theory crafting real quick while yeah. I pulls that up? I think that if one card, I think that might increase your bounce, bounce matchup for a few reasons. Actually, Galactus because bounce uh, bounce plays around not having priority, which yes. uh, which plays around your Killmonger. And Galactus is very good against decks that don't have priority because their cards don't flip, and your Galactus is a six seven, the solo card in the lane. And now you have to be ahead for it to actually do its effect. So you will be right because the cards will be upside down. And then you can play the Galactus, and you've already Shuri Nimrod, and you'll likely win those lanes. So I mean, you go Galactus double Nimrod, and now you can have some sort of top end, which is potentially something like. Uh, no, it could literally be anything, you know, as the four spot in that lane. I think that it would actually increase your equity in the bounce matchup as some sort of top end. You know, not a need, not a card you have to play, but I'd, I'd argue like destroy. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually you could maybe that. do it. I think that actually yeah, makes it more enticing to me if we actually have a Galactus in there. Yeah, so the funny thing is, there's someone in my Discord that's also preaching that right now. But like, once once again, it takes Lambie like two weeks to listen to you. So like, <laughs> he's been saying that for a while. And like, the fact that you guys both like, actually think that it's good, I probably need to tell him that he's probably gonna like, like, like pee his pants or something. Like, I just like, so I think like, I'm not that. sure, I'm not sure he thinks he's good, but like, suddenly it's like, imagine having to play against this shit. Where you have to play yeah. against, uh, around, like they go, they go anything into Nimrod. And you have to play around Galactus. But you also have to also play playing, around Venom and Deathlock, and it's like yeah, I don't know how like, you do that. Like yeah. we already, I mean, like like the build that I'm, we are, we are settling on, like further on, like we already have Lad, we maybe have Psylocke, so like it kind of fits with having Galactus, right? If you think about it, yeah, like, it's really turn high. four, turn four Galactus with Lad is another high row if it's not a Nimrod, and then, like if it's versus Bounce, they have one lane to play, you probably still win. So, so I don't know. I don't I don't think that um I also I also don't think that bounce can retreat because bounce goes for the turn six point slam. They don't have priority because they're playing things like Kitty and you have yeah. Shuri Nimrod and it could be Shuri Nimrod into Venom, Deathlaw. It could be so many yeah. different things, even Destroyer, but instead you play Galactus. Now you, you Bounce know. should leave if you play Shuri. <laughs> like if you yes, if you true, that's true. If, if we Nimrod, you are out of there every time. Yes. Yeah. But, okay, but can I can I just say that also like I know we are like uh, 
I was and a lot of us like in my Discord are hyping this deck super hard but the truth is it is nowhere as consistent as Bounce no matter how <laughs> good the matchup is if you hit the nuts you gotta hit the nuts first and like hitting the nuts is not as consistent as you think so oh. okay so until, you, until we you, add Galactus like, this is like an asterisk oh, on your tweet where you were like the new meta breaker it is a meta breaker because we tested the Okay, I didn't I didn't put a description on in, in the post because I was planning to post the 2.0 very soon already. We had some like hiccups, but like um the Jane Jaw and the bounce matchup is not difficult at all. We realized that it's actually quite free if you just draw the Shuri Nimra. You draw Shuri Nimra, right? Both matchups are free, like super free. But so, that's like, they I didn't don't put realize that yet. Yeah. Like those matchups are free yeah. because they don't know that they're gonna die. Right. So no, you, but even if they even if they know, like they see Shuri, they see Nimrod, and you go double destroy on the final turn, it's too much points. They can't do anything. They're not leaving, mm-hmm. and they should be leaving. And you're like getting double equity out of that now. Right? It's like they true, don't know true, that you're actually true. gonna beat them, right? Like it's like true. it's like yeah. the wave stuff, right? Like wave used to beat bounce because they people didn't know how to what to do against it. And I feel like that's what that's I mean when I talk true. about like that's this get getting value out of it. It's like people are staying when they should be they they don't when you see Shari and Imrod, it doesn't look like something you should respect. But it's like the most horrifying yeah. goddamn thing on earth. Yeah. <laughs> also, so this deck, scary. this deck has a very, very short shelf life because it's the most easily counterable shit ever. Uh, like yes. Cosmo armor, you are armor is by... not real. <laughs> no one. Yeah, <laughs> like like if if this is ever a meta thing, it takes about less than twenty four hours for it to be not meta again. So like so like I, I I don't know if people would would like I mean if people respect this deck then yeah you'll see more armor and Cosmo. But like I mean the funny thing is like you just play a Shuri deck you beat this deck because they have armor. So like. Yeah, you also. Uh, it's where a very are you tra- on yeah. Spider Ham? With regards to in the matchup, like don't you get a little bit farmed by Spider Ham? It's not that bad because the the thing is, it you get farmed by Ham if you do, if you don't have Zola or Destroyer in hand. In fact, like if they do it on my Destroyer, I don't really care. But like very often, you do have one of your sixes in your hand in a twelve card deck, and like. Okay, if he hits Nimrod, you you leave. But like, if if you if he doesn't hit Nimrod, you hit you hit Zola. It kind of sucks. But you have like three other destroy effects. You hit Destroyer. It's not actually a bad thing to be honest. That's six fifteen. So <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Ham is okay. I'm so excited. There's like maybe secretly a Galact deck under the surface here. You know. Cam, he, he we, Cam up. and he I hooked up when he was yeah. like, "Oh, we could put Galactus in here." He's like, "Oh, you could, Speak, you could." Actually, speaking you could. of me. Speaking of me having to defend positions that I don't actually hold on Twitter, me and me and KM did a podcast where we we talked about the Galak issue back before it got nerfed, and people were really pissed about it. And to have a discussion, you have to take one side and the other side. So I took pro Galactus, and KM, I get tagged in so many pro Galactus things on Twitter, so many lists, and like all this stuff. And like, I love Galactus. I actually do love yeah, Galactus. No, like, that, like, oh, I like, I like, like up Galactus a lot as well. I was one of the first few people to say that like this would be the nuts battle mode that if we could figure it out. But like four months later, then we did. So, you were the yeah. when when Braude won. You were the person who suggested it first because we were talking about how it had to either be Bounce or Galactus, and you were just like, you should be the Galactus yeah. player. And then we like I zero. Like, I, if you actually check the Scream Squad Discord, I suggested it. Oh my god! In you February as well. You leaked the name. Yeah. We're screwed. It's a secret Discord. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, in actually, actually, back in February, I was like, if people cannot beat Galactus in battle mode, it just wins. But like, no one figured out the build until like four months later. But like, I mean, yeah. Galactus was actually genuinely impossible to build for a really long time. Like, people were just doing True. awful stuff. Like, and also, yeah. like, you say four months later, but it's like 
two of those months were taken up with where Arrow was in every deck and Galactus was oh, yeah, playable. True, true, so it's true, like, true. it really was like, it only took like a couple months, right? Like maybe a couple true. weeks even before we got to like things that were close, right? Because like Revis, about yeah. like a month after the Arrow Nerf, I want to say, maybe maybe, yeah. maybe a little bit after, like he hit it, right? Like it, it, once once yeah. Arrow was gone, this was, in my opinion, inevitable. Yeah. Like I was, I was talking about how like, if they nerf Arrow, Galactus is going to be an issue pretty, pretty quickly before they nerfed Arrow. And wow, yeah. crazy. It's crazy how the card that like seems custom built to beat Galactus going out of every deck in the meta makes it so that Galactus shows up more. That's weird. It actually makes perfect sense, though. <laughs> I know. He's being facetious. I realized. I just realized. Uh, he's like, you know what, Cam? Yo, Cam, um, that actually, you're a good point. <laughs> <laughs> we we call this uh, the I disagree with you. <laughs> uh, we should we should we should be nice to Lambie, though. Yes. Lambie, how many hours have you been awake right now? Dude, like uh, close to 20, I think. All right, we're, 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 we're calling it. Go to bed. Yeah, we're calling. We're Have a good one. You're calling um, to bed. I want to thank you, Lambie, for coming on the podcast. Uh, like yeah. I said, I mean, it was a joy to record. Like our plan for this podcast was absolutely not a Bounce Masterclass, but I genuinely believe that's what the podcast became. Like this is just an amazing. This is an amazing piece of uh, like suite of information. If you're interested it in Boucher, looking to pick up the deck, and um, you know you, you're interested in what we all think is the best deck in Marvel Snap right now. Uh, yeah, I think that I think that Lambie is an absolute master of that list and really, really gave us a lot of knowledge here. So thank you so much for coming on once again, a returning guest. I think it's our first returning guest. By it the is. Way. So You're the first one Lambie, ever. Lambie nice. with the two time, the feature hat trick. Uh, but for everybody listening, what are you up to? What are your socials? Where can they find you? Your stream schedule, etc. Right. So um, firstly, you can find me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash, slash Lambie Series GG. And then also on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Lambie Series TV. I stream uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays and a weekend about 10 a.m. EST. And also uh, I have a YouTube with uh, Coco4, uh, The Competitive Edge. We do something very similar to what you guys are doing here. Just that uh, maybe a bit more like targeted at specific like decks and stuff so yeah um yeah thank you guys for having me on this pod again and i feel like like what brandon said makes a lot of sense like this this is not just a bounce like masterclass discussion i feel like we talked a lot about deck building theories tournament like ideology and stuff like that it's a in general it's a relatively try hard ish podcast based on what i've like we've talked about and heard but like this is good. This is good. I enjoyed myself talking about this uh, with you guys a lot about this. And yeah, maybe we can do the hat trick in the yeah. near future. I mean, well. talking about I'll the two-time, I mean, you might become the two-time draft champion. Dude. You might be you uh, might yeah. end up as the two-time champion of draft, and I'll end up as the right. two-time guy so. who commentated it. Let's go! Uh, it resulting in sure. the real reward, which is the three-time the three-time guest on the on the snapshot. So <laughs> we did have a review come in this week. This comes in from Big Show 2569. Said, been listening for months now and really enjoy your content. This epi the episode with Molt was amazing. Getting Cam and Molt together was fantastic. I've become a much better snap player in the things I've from the things I've heard on the podcast. I love the game and you've added a lot to that with your content. Highly recommend listening for anyone who plays. Thank you for all you do. 
Well, thank you for the five star review. If you're listening to this podcast, you've been listening for a while. If you like, if you like, if you like this episode, if you like having us having Lambie on, well, the number one thing you can do for us is leave us a five star review. It helps immensely. And to do that, you can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can go to ratethispodcast.com slash snapshot, um, and it will aggregate all those links for you. There's a video version of this podcast on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the underscore snapshot. Hopefully, hopefully this week it actually is video. Once again, I'm recording from a freaking hotel room, so we'll see in the post-production. Um, but yeah, heading over to the YouTube channel, hit us with that like and subscribe. We're only sitting at 1,400 subscribers. People, people accuse us of criminally, criminally under-advertising the podcast. We try do. Our it is true. We it, I often get like, why didn't you tell me about the podcast? It's like I it's yeah. it's everywhere. It's all over my socials. Yeah. Well, is. I have I have good news that you can help us, and the way you can do that is by subscribing to the channel and telling your friends about it. Don't keep all these goodies to yourself. We're all on Twitter. I'm at Brendan APG, Canvas Cam, Best MS, and Lambie Series is at Lambie Series GG KM, your Twitch schedule. So. Uh, great question. My Twitch schedule is 6 p.m. And then the days are question mark. Uh, most days. <laughs> That's it's 6 p.m. Eastern whenever I'm not like dead tired because I stayed up until 5 a.m. playing Marvel Snap. I understand that's very stupid because like, oh, you're a content creator. You should play on stream. Well, I don't. And I'm stupid. OK, uh, I actually wanted to circle back. I got, I got like I got like one more question. It's one minute long. Go. You did some of your runs off stream to prevent sniping, correct? Yes. How common do you think that is? I, I hadn't even considered sniping until I got like my ass absolutely handed to me. And then Dexter was in the chat and he was like, hey, man, you know, they could be sniping you. Basically, I was like, like, sometimes I consider it. I'm like, oh, maybe they're sniping, but like I never do anything about it. And so for my run that I 5 would I put like a little picture on the screen and I like, I don't know if it did anything. I have no idea, but also I 5 would immediately after. And it's like, I like, so how, how real of a concern do you have for that? Okay. So I, a lot of my content like is based on playing tournaments, right? So I actually have this like blocking thing on my, in my, in my OBS. Like it's ready anytime I feel like someone might snipe, I'll just like, flip on the blocker and then like do my 8Q play or whatever nonsense like that. So like, <laughs> I it's very real sniping is actually very real and like because I, I used to stream like Hearthstone and all that as well and like uh, I, I I can tell when someone is sniping I'm not saying it's 100% but like there are things you can do to expose a sniper live as well it's quite technical but you really can do it like you rope to the point whereby the, the, the button is almost glowing before you end your turn you know right then you do you just fast play everything you will see that there will be this moment whereby they freeze and like they like maybe lag or like don't finish their turn. It is exposable. You can you can you can expose them. But like yeah, it's very real when it comes to sniping. And like for you and Dexter with like larger audiences than mine, even I get sniped. You guys for sure get sniped. Damn, it's man. just that's how brutal. Often. That it's just how it's just how often only. Oh. But like yeah, even Harry Harry also gets sniped. It's just whether you want to like openly declare it or not. You know, I can never, I can so. never tell because, like, I feel like I say every time I lose, I'm like, oh, I wonder if I got sniped because, like, I'm a fucking sore loser, right? So, like, I can't <laughs> tell if I'm being a sore loser or if I'm accurately assessing the situation. I, I feel know. like, I feel like it's a very, yeah, it's a bit dangerous to just straight up always say that it's a snipe because sometimes people are just smart, you know, like they just, yes. they just know, they just, what, they what have a good They're, read, right? Yeah, yeah. The monkey can guy, just be smart. The guy who left all his points, yeah. the guy who left all his stuff at seven, right? That was one where I was yeah. like, my chat was like, yeah, they're, they're probably sniping you. It was like, no, that's yeah, a like, if you, if you, you can make that play. It could be smart. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very possible that people are just smart. But like I feel like I feel like you just gotta be aware that like if you're gonna stream something, you just accept that you will be sniped. Because like at the end of the day, content creation, you have to have some sacrifices, right? Like if I mm-hmm. if I was just like the diehard Hearthstone grandmaster that I still was, I I am not anymore. But like if I was that way, right, I, I would be more concerned about getting sniped. But like now I feel like um my angle is like more towards teaching people how to be competitive. So I care less about like getting sniped I care more about like people learning from my stream so like if I really do get sniped whether it actually happens or not I'm just like alright um, maybe it did happen but like I'm not gonna be too fussy about it alright yeah. it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much thank you hey, welcome yeah, they, literally they... anytime <laughs> alright yeah thank you thank all so much, so much for listening we'll see you next week Bye.